Oh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 19. I feel like I'm burning up up here. Anybody else feeling the fire of God? <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, this is good to be in the house of the Lord. Whew, thank you, Lord. By the way, we do have a Good Friday service uh, this Friday at 7 p.m., so make plans if you're able to attend. We're going we're to have a great time in the Lord and the presence of God that's here is going to be there as well. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 19. Let's start with verse 28 Whew, through 40. When he had said this, he went, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Beth, Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he, Jesus, sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent their way, uh, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? Man, Jesus knew some things, didn't he? <laughs> and they said, The Lord has need of him. Uh, then they brought him to then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they have, been, they have seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Well, as you already know, today is Palm Sunday, right? And we're celebrating the triumphant or triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem before being crucified. All right, so this was about a week before Jesus was crucified. Now, this is interesting because Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy from the Old Testament in Zechariah 9.9. This prophecy was given 400 years before it even happened. The prophetic in the Word of God is amazing. There's so much evidence in the Bible that it's the Word of God and it is true. It takes a demon to blind people of that truth. Amen? Here's what Zechariah 9.9 says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. 
Now, when I was younger in my walk with the Lord, when I first became a Christian, this kind of baffled me because I'm thinking, why do they call it the triumphal entry when Jesus is going into the city where he's about to be crucified? I mean, this, this just didn't make sense to me. Why would they call it the triumphal entry of Jesus when he was going to be just, just brutalized and beaten to death, basically, almost, right? And hung on a bloody cross. And then the Holy Spirit quickened a verse to me. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. Look at this. Man, I love how the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. Amen? And He leads us through His Word. He speaks to us through His Word. So 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20, this is what the Holy Spirit gave to me back then in the day when it was just baffling me why this was called the triumphal entry. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Oh, man, he, he just slapped the world right in the face with that, didn't he? See, Jesus did not live up to the expectations of the world. Jesus did not fit in the mold of the world. Many times we want to create our own God instead of accepting the God of the Bible. Can you say amen to that? Can you admit to that? We all do it, right? Have at times in our life. But how do you feel when someone tries to control you or make you into something that you're not, right? How many times have we missed God? Here it is. How many times have we missed God because something didn't meet our fleshly expectation. Interesting. The Holy Spirit really put that question on my heart as I was writing this message. After all, what kind of a king would ride in on a donkey? Where is all the gold? Where is all the array that is supposed to, that a king is supposed to wear? He just didn't fit the mold of the world. Are you following me? A king is supposed to be filled with pride. A king is supposed to be arrogant, right? From the world's point of view. But the Word of God says that Jesus was lowly. Jesus was humble. In the world's point of view, humility is looked at as weakness. See, it's like you can take, you could just take everything, every perspective of the world... And sure enough, you can twist the opposite of it, and that's what the Word will say. Are you following me? So the world says, where is all the glamour that a king is supposed to have? But you must understand that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, He is not a king of this world system. His kingdom is not of this world, right? But He has a spiritual kingdom. Jesus was fighting. See, his kingdom will come to this earth at the end of time. Are you following me? But not right now. Say, not right now. That's why we are expected to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. And I appreciate, Brother Paul, what he said about that message. Because that's why we, as Christians, we do need to be involved in the political process on this earth. 
Because we are advancing the kingdom. I mean, think about it. A, a political system, what is it made out of? It's made out of morals or lack thereof, right? So the church does need to get involved in that. But Jesus was fighting a spiritual battle with spiritual principles. Amen? The world didn't get it, and they still don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to their natural, fleshly mind. See, many Christians are banging their heads against the wall because they are trying to solve spiritual problems by natural means and natural understanding apart from the Word of God. Everything in the natural realm, come on, listen to this. Everything, I say it a lot, I want to say it again. Everything in the, in the uh, natural realm that we see has a spiritual root. Everything. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Listen to this. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap corruption. Now, I, I want to say this, because many think, well, the flesh, it's just talking about the natural. Really, no, because we are spirit beings, right? So the flesh is a spiritual thing, but it's connected to the wrong kingdom. Are you following me? So that's why it's sowing and reaping. Everything that's happening in the natural has a spiritual root, whether the flesh or the kingdom of God, or the spirit. So, you know, if you're going to sow the flesh, you're going to reap corruption of the flesh, and you'll live a miserable life on this earth. But if you sow to the Spirit, if you sow spiritual principles into your life from the Word of God, you will live in the blessing of God. Say, I want to live in the blessing of God. God. No, I'm not just talking about earthly riches, all right? I'm talking about this quality of life on this earth. Well, I want to show you something. Uh, Proverbs, go to Proverbs 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. See, a lot of people, you can go in the ditch, right? I know, I mean, yeah, we're called to prosperity. But listen, not everyone's going to be a millionaire on this earth. You understand that, right? You figured that out by now, right? So what does it mean to be rich? Look at this. Proverbs 10, 22. Look at this. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. But don't, now don't get, don't get caught up in the worldly definition of rich. Oh my See, this is where the world's going to get you. It's going to get you by the tail. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Here it is. The blessing of the Lord is that you will have more than enough. That's what rich means, by the way. It doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire, billionaire. What it means is your needs are met, and then some. Now, some people, that then some is a lot of money. Are you following me? Some... You know, I mean, you, you follow what I'm saying, right? But the rich means your needs are covered and then some. That then some is not just for you. It's for you to be a blessing to others. The blessing of the Lord is that you will have more than enough. But the true blessing is this, that he will add no sorrow with it. Here's the deal. You got lots of rich people on this earth but they got sorrow attached to it. That's why you got millionaires committing suicide out there right now. Money's just not enough. I just seen uh, an interview of uh, someone. Uh, who was it? Oh, yeah, the Kardashians. All right, so they were, there was an interview with them, and, and one of the girls said, you know, I know I, lived a, I live a privileged life, and 
We have lots of stuff, lots of money, but basically she said, I'm not happy. Money is not where happiness is. Are you, don't fall for that trap of the enemy. Many have riches, like I said, but they're miserable because there's no peace attached to it. Many have stress in their lives, and many are plagued with bad health because of that stress. Some people that I've worked with, uh, you know, some of my bosses throughout the years, man, they had heart attacks left. Yeah, they had lots of money. They had all their toys and big house. But man, woo! talk about they had heart attack one after another. And, and man, they would blow up on the spot. Oh, the stress, the stress was killing them. That's not the blessing of the Lord. We need to live our life according to the wisdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. So you can have that peace attached to that prosperity. I want to mention something else about sowing and reaping. Jesus is referred to as the word of God in John chapter 1, right? It's interesting that that uh, Jesus referred to the word of God as the seed, the incorruptible seed, right? Remember the parable of the sower. But for a seed to produce fruit, it first has to die. You know that? A se- it must die for something to grow. So maybe if something's not growing in your life, maybe that prophetic word that's not coming to pass in your life, maybe, maybe you're not dead to the world yet. Maybe you're not dead to the flesh yet in that area. And God's saying, I'm not going to crack that nut open until you die to self. See, we must decrease so he can increase. That's why the whole Christian walk, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and proclaiming him and advancing the kingdom of God. Now, God's not against us having things in life. Don't let them have you. Amen? Now, Jesus took our punishment for sin. He died a horrible death that we would live. Say live. Yeah, Jesus went to a cross to die so salvation would be birthed through him. Isn't that amazing? Now listen to this. Even Satan and demon spirits did not comprehend the wisdom of God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This blows my mind. Every time I read this, this, this blows my mind. Because you think, you know, wow, did the enemy know what he was doing? You know, when he was beating Jesus up, when he took him to the cross. I mean, did he even have a clue? Well, look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age or world system, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who loved him. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, Uh, that Satan is the God with a small g, the God of this world system, right? The world standards or lack thereof are set up by the enemy. 
The enemy did not even know what was going on. God hid that wisdom from him. Man, now, hold on. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, look at this. Say, I will not be conformed to the world. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind with the word of the living God. Look at this, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Jesus said these powerful words. He said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, God's way is the narrow road and the world's way is the wide road. See, that's why it's not, (laughs) the majority is not always right, people. Are you following me? This is a narrow road. Who's willing to walk that narrow road? Isn't that interesting? He compares following God is the narrow road, but the world system, everyone's following it. We are not called to follow the world, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the people in the crowd during the triumphal entry of Jesus, had different reasons for being present that day. find this very interesting. Some were there because they were just curious. And and maybe others wanted Jesus to do a miracle for them or, or maybe a family member, right? The Pharisees, the religious people, they were there to give Jesus a hard time and, and just try to discredit it. I'm talking about the whole crowd there that day. And others were there because they had a revelation of who Jesus was. That He is the Son of God, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Chosen One by God to deliver us from our sins and to deliver us from an eternal lake of fire. Are you following me? There were a lot of different people in that crowd that day. See, my question to you is this. Why are you here today? Why are you in this crowd today? Why do you even go to church? Is it because you only want to get something from Him? Or is it simply out of curiosity of what's going on? Or is it because you truly want a meaningful relationship with your Creator through the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you truly want to be a disciple for him, a disciplined one? You see, some in the crowd that day with the triumphal entry, some in the crowd, they laid down their palm branches. They waved them and laid them down. And others, laid, it said they laid their garments on the ground for Jesus. Without a meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, sooner or later, that palm branch you're waving is going to wither away. And die because it needs to be connected to the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The garments. The garments were laid down on the ground. They're symbolic of trading your sin for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Getting rid of those stained clothes and I want the robe of righteousness. That white robe. Go with me to Isaiah 61. All this train's rolling this morning. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61, verse 10. Hallelujah. By the way, we want to welcome everyone watching around the world online right now. Welcome to LWC. Amen. In Carroll, Michigan. All right. Isaiah 61, verse 10. And it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. 
For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. And as the bride adorns herself with jewels. Man, that's powerful. We need to exchange our garments of bondage for the garments of salvation. By the way, salvation just doesn't mean that you're going to go to heaven one day. It, doesn't, it just doesn't mean that. Salvation is the all-inclusive word. Peace of mind, healing, deliverance, eternal life with the Lord one day. I mean, this is amazing stuff. It's amazing. We need to exchange those fleshly garments for the robe of righteousness that we can come... Uh, that only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. The Pharisees, the Pharisees were telling Jesus to silence the crowd. Man. And Jesus said this. He said, if these people hold their peace, these stones would immediately cry out. The Pharisees were very strict religious leaders in those days. They had a lot of knowledge about the law of Moses. They had a lot of knowledge about the Old Testament. But when the Son of God, the very Messiah himself, when he came, they totally missed him. They missed the hour of visitation. Think about that. Wow. That's something. See, now this, they didn't want to accept change. Are you seeing this? They, they want to be stuck on that old covenant. Say old covenant. old covenant. Old covenant's good. It was there for a purpose. It was there for a reason, and it all points to Jesus. But how many of you know, we are under the new and better covenant, the Word of God says in Hebrews. Say better. better. Say I'm, better, I'm under a better covenant a better. through Jesus Christ. So they had a lot of knowledge about the old stuff, but they didn't want to accept the new and move forward. That's why one, recently I posted a, a status on Facebook. I said, the word change better be a positive word in the Christian's vocabulary. See, when God's moving, you better move with him. Amen? Amen. Oh, my, my, my. So these religious people were trying to silence the crowd. And that's what happens when people try to replace the Word of God with their man-made traditions and fleshly mindsets. The Bible says, listen to this, the Bible says that we are to praise God, listen, with singing, shouting, and lifting our hands. Now here, let me say this. If you don't feel the liberty to do those things at a local church or, or if church leadership discourages that type of praise in God, you want to know some pastoral advice? Get out of there! Whoever's watching, whatever, right? Get out of there! Because God deserves to be praised and worshipped. Come on, somebody. The Bible says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Liberty and freedom to serve. Liberty and freedom to praise God. Come on. Freedom to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords the way He deserves and He expects us to praise Him. My goodness. You see, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, or the role, very important role, is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that in my message? That's his role, to glorify Jesus Christ. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the one who actually helps us praise and worship? 
See, that's why it says where the Spirit of the Lord is. Or in other words, where you give the Holy Spirit place in your life. There's freedom. There's liberty. Amen? I love that. So, listen, if you don't have liberty to praise God, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Right? We know God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Right? Now, but there's a difference between just his general presence and his manifest presence. He does not manifest his presence everywhere. So you could say it this way. If you don't have liberty in a place to praise and worship God, I I like to say it like this way. The Holy Spirit has left the building in a sense. And I say if the Holy Spirit left a building, you leave too. And listen, I'm not just saying this to pump up LWC. I'm saying if that ever happened here, you guys can go. But I can say that with confidence because it's always going to be freedom. So I'm kind of covered on that. Amen? But listen to this. No rocks are going to get an advantage over me. And when it comes to praising and worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Think about that. He said the very rocks, creation. You know, it's proven fact that even up in, in the universe with the stars and the planets, that there's, there's a vibration. There's a constant vibration. People have described it. Scientists have described it as like music in the heavens. Even the planets and stars are praising God. My question is, what's your excuse? Come on, somebody. We need to take off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. Look at Isaiah 61. Verse 11, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Man, I like that. If you're filling yourself with the word of God, it will cause praise to spring forth out of your mouth. You see, I say it this way. I like to say it this way. Righteousness and praise are twins. Righteousness. In other words, when you get a revelation of who you are in Christ through his righteousness, brother, sister, you can't help but praise him. So maybe if there's a praise problem, maybe there's a revelation problem of who, knowing who you are in Christ, right? So just study the scriptures of who you are in Christ. I'm telling you what, you get, you get Holy Ghost fire and revelation on the inside of you. You're going to burn. Amen? Come on, spiritually speaking. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 9. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. They're higher. This might come as a shock to some people listening, but God is smarter than, than us humans. Did you figure that out yet? The Creator is greater than the created ones. Amen? And just like, just like how the world didn't expect the king to ride in on a donkey, come on, there are times that we as Christians have an expectation of what God should do in a situation. But He may come. Come on. He may come into that situation. Are you ready? Ready? Riding on that donkey. And you're and he's he's riding right past you and you're looking for something else. Surely this can't be God. And he's riding on that donkey right by you. He's just kind of riding along. He's riding by. He's like, Are you gonna see me? Listen to this. Even this. 
Moses, the burning bush experience. You know, God was trying to get Moses' attention with a burning bush. Do you know, Moses could have kept on walking and paid no attention to it. Which tells me this, that God's trying to get our attention. The question is, are we paying attention? I'm telling you, just when you have it all figured out, God, you know, you know how like when we like to play God, right? We, we always like to play God, right? God, I know this is exactly what you should do in this situation, right? Well, this person hurt me. You should do this to that person, right? And God says, no, pick up the phone and talk to them. Are you hearing me? My, my, my. I mean, what, whatever. We have it all figured out in our mind what God should do. And here he comes riding on that donkey. My goodness. Say donkey. That's right. That's right. <laughs> don't miss. Listen, don't miss this hour, the hour of visitation of Jesus riding in on that donkey in your life. The religious people missed it. The religious people missed it. We need to do what we can do in the natural and let God work out the rest in his wisdom and power. And if there's something we should do, he's, he's not going to hide it from you, right? The word of God says in James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. He goes, I give liberally. I love that. Our God is a liberal giver. Man, he doesn't hold back. He said, listen, all you got to do is ask me. Ask me for wisdom. I'm not going to hold it back. So this tells me if you ask God for, for wisdom and you say God still hasn't shown me, I'm going to say, you rebellious little thing, you. He showed you. You're just not willing to do it. Come on, somebody, right? Now, Luke, go back to Luke 19. Luke 19. Because I, I'm going to trust the word of God over a person's word. Are you hearing me? He said if you ask, he would give it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, some things we don't need God to speak to us about. He's already spoken it in his word, right? Now, he might show you how to apply a scripture in that situation, right? And that's great, but be listening. If you're going to ask him, listen for the answer, because it said he would give it. Amen? Luke 19, verses 28 through 30, I want to look at here. When he had said this, he went, on his, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the, into the uh, village opposite of you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied. I know we read this before, but I'm reiterating something, so hold tight. On which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. All right, so, so Jesus sent two disciples to get that donkey, right? He said, if anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord has need of it. Now, now listen, here's the thing. Can you imagine the thoughts that went through those two disciples' heads? Can you imagine, right? Jesus, I mean, it, what would be going through my head is this. Okay, what it, so it looks like I'm going to steal this donkey. And then someone's going to say, hey, what are you doing over there? Can you imagine the awkward? Is anyone getting this? Is anyone? I mean, how awkward that would be, right? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'd be going through my mind. If What if people didn't know who Jesus was? Or maybe they weren't okay with us taking it, right? Here's the point I want to make. 
There will be times when the Holy Spirit gives you an instruction and it makes no sense to your natural mind. It just requires obedience. And that's what childlike faith is. It's, with, it's, it's you obeying that instruction without you mentally processing every part of it. Just do it. All right? Just do it. But So you need to fight through those thoughts and simply obey Him. He, again, He will do His part in the supernatural aspect of it. And you're doing your part just by obedience. All right? Look at Luke 19, verse 41. Luke 19.41, and this is the last passage here as we close this thing out. It says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Now, in the midst of all the shouting, in the midst of all the accolades that Jesus was getting, he stopped and wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the lost. He wept over those who were rejecting him. Think about that. Jesus longs to have uh, every human being on the face of this earth receive him as Lord and Savior and to live with him for eternity. It, you know, just, just like the Pharisees, the world tries to make a Jesus that accommodates them instead of accepting who he really is according to the Word of God, right? In fact, you cannot know Jesus apart from the Word. The Word reveals who He is. If you're not basing it on the Word, it's just your opinion. It's just, that's what Galatians says, you're making another Jesus, your own. But we don't want to do that, amen? So the Pharisees missed their visitation. Don't miss yours. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation, amen? When you accept Jesus, listen to this, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He will make a triumphal entry into your life. And it's interesting that, I love this, catch this with me, it's interesting that after the triumphal entry passage in in Luke 19, do you know what the next thing that happens? Jesus cleanses the temple. Not only, not only is this guy riding in on a donkey, but man, he's coming in and he's going to flip some tables in your life. He's going to come in. He's going to move some furniture around. You should not be who you were before you made Jesus Lord of your life. He comes in. He comes in triumphantly, but don't, he's not going to stop there. He's going to come in and cleanse the temple in your life. Hallelujah. I like it. Jesus does some house cleaning. And this is for your benefit because he loves you enough not to keep you the way that you were before coming to him. Whom he loves, he chastises. It's a positive thing. Let him cut the fruit. Let him cut those things out of your life, right? Don't don't take offense to him. Don't pull away. God knows everything about your life anyways, right? So allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and heal all areas of your life that you're holding him back from the fullness of your blessing. And I want to end it by saying this right here. Cooperate with his triumphal entry into your life. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise and glory. Lord, we thank you. I mean, 400 years it was prophesied, that triumphal entry. That's amazing. And Lord, we want to thank you, first of all, us that are born again. Thank you for the triumphal entry. 
into our life. Thank you for cleaning house in our life, Lord, for our benefit. Now, maybe there's someone in this place you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You're on the outside, you're looking in, and today you said, wow, it's, it's time. It's time to open the gate of my heart and let Jesus ride in on that donkey triumphantly in my life. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, Palm Sunday is one a great day to do it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I want you to meet me in that corner after this service, and I want to pray with you to have a new birthday, the new birth. Now, maybe there's someone in here. Uh, you're one that I talked about that, you know, you made Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago. But frankly, if you drop dead now, you don't know if you would go to heaven for eternity. If that's you, man, let's just settle it today. Let, let, let's reopen that gate. Let's, let's, let's just make sure. Let's make sure that triumphal injury happens. Meet me over here. Let's rededicate your life to the Lord. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And let me tell you something. There's something different about the Holy Spirit baptism. When you receive that, there is a house cleaning happening like never before. He will cleanse that temple, I'm telling you, with the fire of God. And you will receive power to be a witness for him. See, we can't be good witnesses for the world when we're living like the world. Amen. So when he comes in, he changes everything. So meet me over here. Receive the Holy Spirit baptism. If you need prayer for healing, a miracle, anything else. If you need prayer for anything, I want to pray and agree with you. And we also have prayer cloths here. If you have a family member or a friend or even for yourself, I pray over these. When I'm walking these, uh, these aisles and the altar and praying in the Spirit, I'm, I'm going like this. For hours, I'll just walk like this and praying in the Spirit and, and praying. So we're believing the anointing of the Holy Ghost is are on these. So if you would like one of these, come on up. The rest of you, wow, what a great service today. Amen? Wow. Oh, we have a great week coming up. Tuesday, prayer on the phone at 7 p.m. Prayer on Wednesday night, 7 to 8. Good Friday service. I, I love it. We're gonna, it's, I'm telling you. Everything about LWC is spirit-filled. I I love that, don't you? It's going to be a spirit-filled service and then Easter Sunday. Celebrating the resurrection. Everyone have a great week. We love you all. Come on back. You know where to find me if you need me. God bless you all. Have a great week.